Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Today, taking your place at the top, the 50 secrets of uncommon achievers, part eight, Lord willing, the final part. It's actually going to end up being 51 secrets of uncommon achievers. I need to know where we finished. Was it 41 was the last one or 42 was the last one? Counting on you, Lyric. I see you on YouTube. I see you on the app and I see you on Facebook too. I'm talking to Lyric, who is like our Revival Today scribe. If it was the 1600, she'd follow me around with a quill. 42 was the last one. That's what I thought, which was honor the law of admiration. So we pick it up with 43, Matthew 10, 16. So we're going to do 43 through 51 quickly, Lord willing. Matthew 10, this will make a great book. Pleased to be joined by my wife, Miss Adala Shuttlesworth. Thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Matthew 10, 16. Jesus said, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes, but as harmless as doves. Be as wise as serpents but as harmless as doves. So you can write that down. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, be as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. Most Christians get an A plus in the harmless as doves part and an F minus in the wise as serpents. There's something we were taught in church in my age group. I don't know if they still teach it in church now. I know I definitely don't teach it at my church. And that is that you should always assume the best of everyone. My mother-in-law, Dallas's mom, when she was growing up, she had a feeling at 12 or 13 that the Catholic priest molested children. She told her parents, and they gave her a sound beating and actually sent her away to live with somebody else. They were so angry about it because you don't talk that way about the priest. I'm not saying have, have disrespect for people in authority, but turned out she was right. And um, a lot of Christians, the devil uses against them their niceness. And I'm not telling you to not be nice. But it is, it is foolish. It probably was foolish in any day and age. But it's particularly foolish in this day and age to think the best of, of anyone. If something hits you wrong, pay attention to it. Jesus said when he was sitting with all his disciples, but one of you is a devil. And say, so, well, I don't know why I would think that. They're, they're all good people. Judas probably just has some things he's working through. One of you is a devil. So I'm not telling you to assume the worst of everyone. I'm telling you, don't assume the best of everyone. And don't override your spiritual intuition. Good to have you on the app. Joy, Jacob, Lucy. Marcy in Montreal, good to have you. Darren, Nancy, Ninja Buddha, Doreen, Lisa, Cordelia, glad you're all on. Um, <coughs> it's a mistake. The devil will use that against you. I know people that have had their families destroyed because they were just so loving and caring that they started to take homeless people into their own home or drifters that came to the church that didn't have a place to stay. Next thing you know, that... Guy molested one of their kids. It's a mistake. Don't assume the best of everyone. And I'm going to break that into two different points. 
So 43 is don't assume the best of people financially, or in our context, uncommon achievers. Do not assume the best of everyone in the realm of finances. Uncommon achievers do not assume the best of everyone in the realm of finances. If you have the same <coughs> two people count the offering every Sunday at your church, you are breaking this law. All they have to do is get on, in on it together, and you're in trouble. Mandy said, you're talking to me, LOL. Started listening to you two years ago, and you taught me through Scripture that I don't have to be a pushover to be a Christian. No, you do not. And you shouldn't be. You should have a minimum of six people that count the offering at your church on a rotation. Better nine or 12, and ha never have less than three people counting. Have cameras in the room where it's being counted. Very, I want you to write this down under this point. Very, oh, that's great, Jamie. Your broadcast is part of our homeschool day. Well, hello to your whole class. Um, very few people can be around money and not steal it. Write that down under this point. Very few people can be around money and not steal it. We use our own offering envelopes in our meetings. It was amazing how once we started doing that, our offerings tripled. Must have been an anointing on the envelopes. Certainly couldn't have been because people were taking out big checks when we didn't use our own envelopes. One church, we were using our own envelopes. And um, when they handed them to my nephew, they were shucked. Well, like they had the cash and checks in them, but they had been opened. So I, when, when my nephew showed that to me, I called the pastor. I said, why are the offering envelopes all opened? I said, I don't even open them. They're counted by a team of people in a room with cameras. Oh, we give a report to our denomination about what comes in for missions giving. So I wanted to see what it was. I said, listen to me. Make sure that doesn't happen again, or I'm leaving. That's stealing. I never gave you permission to do that. He said, oh, I trust the people that count. I said, I don't. I don't even know who they are. I said, I saw they were counting it in a, in a back room with the door locked. Are there cameras in there? No. How many people were counting? Two. All right. I'm glad you, you trust that. I don't trust that. And nobody, nobody with an IQ north of room temperature would trust that. Let me tell you something. You don't need somebody sitting in a room with $14,000 of cash on the table that's two mortgage payments behind. You don't know what people are going through. And that's quite a temptation to put somebody through. You're putting somebody in a bad spot. Uncommon achievers take drastic safeguards in the realm of money and finance. Very few people can be around money and not steal it. Jesus' treasure routinely stole from the treasury. Jesus' treasure.
uncommon achievers take drastic safeguards in the realm of finances. There's only so much you could do. Somebody could steal money from my ministry, but they would have to get my wife in on it, Patrick in on it, my wife's twin sister, Magalas, in on it. And at that point, my ministry would be over anyway. If my own wife has conspired with thieves to steal from my, my ministry. So you can only take so many safeguards, but you better have them in place. And in the realm of money, you kind of should assume the worst of everybody. Most people can't be around money and not steal it. Very, very few people can be around money and not steal it. Remember that. If you run a business, you better have serious safeguards in place. When it comes to your cash register and who's taking money to the bank, I had a pastor friend of mine say, he heard me teach like this one time, and he said, I think the lady <coughs> that counts, that's my secretary, I think she takes the money. Number one, she was the only one handling it. She was in charge of depositing all the cash offerings at the bank every week. So she could and nobody would know. So number one, you have a bad system in place. He said, I told him, well, here's how you'll know. Tell her, because she has more work to do and the church is growing, that you're going to take that responsibility away from her and give it to somebody else to free up her time to do other things. If she's relieved, then you know she wasn't stealing. If she gets angry that you've given her less work to do for the same pay, then you'll know she's stealing. Sure enough, he very kindly told her he was going to remove the responsibility of her taking the money to the bank, and she flipped out. I mean, flipped out, yelled at him. That's a thief. Because he wasn't taking away a responsibility, he was taking away a source of income. Uncommon achievers take drastic safeguards in the realm of finances and cash money, which I don't know how much longer that'll be relevant because they're pushing hard for cashless society. Number 45. Sorry, number 44. Matthew 10, 16. Be as wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Uncommon achievers don't assume the best of people and their motives. I'm going to give you three kinds of people to guard yourself against. Three, three character traits or attributes that if you see them flare up 100% of the time, they're a mark. Aaron said there are people who pretend that they're giving and put an empty envelope into the basket. How do you handle that? Let people do what they want. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm talking about stealing money. People want to pretend they're giving. They can do whatever they want. 44. Three character traits of people that are always a major red flag. Number one, liars. If you ever catch somebody in a lie, get rid of them immediately. Don't confront them. Write that down. Never confront a liar. It's like backing a cobra into a corner. But as soon as somebody has shown themselves that they're a liar, get rid of them. Number two, 
get rid of liars. Satan is not called the father of adultery. Satan is not called the father of homosexuality. Satan is not called the father of theft. Satan is called the father of lies. Jesus is called the truth. So these are not small things. Lying is a satanic quality. <clears throat> if you find a liar, don't confront them, but get rid of them. You know, you don't have to tell somebody the reason you're firing them. Sandra said, what if you see someone as a Judas in a church and, <coughs> and the leader does not accept words from someone who's not a member? I'll tell you what I do. I mind my own business. I can't control other people's churches. When I was a congregant, if I wasn't asked my opinion, I never gave it. But I can control my realm, and that's where I'm telling you to focus. Focus on you and your business or your ministry. Get rid of liars. Remove liars immediately. Number two, unthankful people. If somebody's an unthankful person, get rid of them. They have a problem. Or there'll be a problem in the future. Unthankfulness comes from entitlement. And entitlement is the breeding ground. You ever hear expectations, the breeding ground for miracles? Entitlement is the breeding ground for theft. When somebody isn't thankful, it's because they feel entitled. You might be paying them 41000 a year. They feel they should be making at least sixty, so they're not thankful for the forty-one. And then what happens if somebody thinks they should be making 60000 and you're paying them forty-one? Well, subconsciously, they feel entitled to steal $19,000 worth of stuff. Well, I'm going to take this. They won't miss it, and they don't, they don't pay me that much anyway. If you talk to thieves, they don't feel that what they did is wrong. You think people that steal feel convicted as they're shoplifting or whatever? No, you know what they think? Because of the race I am and how we've been treated, Walgreens has a right to give me all these free Gillette razors. They don't feel an ounce of remorse because they feel entitled. An unthankful person is an entitled person, and enti entitlement will breed theft. If they haven't already stolen, they will steal. And three, remove un unhappy people. The Bible says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. When someone is not a happy person, I probably wouldn't have said this until three months ago, but I'm so convinced of it now because I've known a lot of people that have gotten into problems. Ministers who fell into sin, business people, whoever. You know what they all had in common? They're not happy. Somebody will fall into problems and me and Adas will say, you know, that, that guy, people say, man, they had miracles. Yeah, but they were never happy. When people are in sin, they're unhappy. Jesse Duplantis said about money, because he had money before he was saved. He said, money, when you're not a Christian, will make you comfortable while you're miserable. So I would look out for miserable people. If I, had a, if I was a pastor, I am a pastor. 
But if I was a pastor who had a receptionist, you know, it was like a typical church setup, me, my wife, and a receptionist. And my receptionist was an unhappy person. I'd get rid of her. I, wouldn't, I, I don't care why. Well, you've got to remember her dog has um, Alzheimer's. People all have a reason. There's a problem if you're, if you're not happy. I talked to a pastor yesterday that's a friend of mine. His wife passed away a few hours after I talked to him. And she was on 24-hour care and with a hospice nurse. He had a joyful conversation with me. I planned a steak dinner with him that I'm going to take him to. We laughed on the phone. Christians are happy people. He was in the room with her. His wife of 60 years or whatever. Christians have joy. I know that's a novel concept. Paul was beaten with rods and thrown in prison. Not beaten verbally. Beaten with rods and thrown in prison. And he prayed and sang praises. Not worship, praises. Upbeat, happy, joy, joyous music to the Lord. Mark Liars. I'm telling you, if you catch somebody in one lie, don't wait for another. Treat a liar like a cobra. They're dangerous people. Mark liars and remove them. Mark the unthankful and remove them. Mark the unhappy and remove them. Unthankful. Adonis and I have taken people out for nice dinners at a restaurant. They start talking about this one restaurant they went to. This is good, but we went to this one restaurant. It, it's, it's much better than this. You should try it. Okay. This will be the last time that we ever eat. I'm glad instead of thank you, you thought of a nicer restaurant that you went to. <laughs> right? Yes. No thank you. It's okay. No, this is it's good. It's good. No, it's good. I like it a lot. Sorry, I didn't realize I was out with one of the judges from... Chopped. From Chopped. Iron, iron... No, uh, it's, it's plated. It's plated all right. There's not a lot right. of vision in the presentation. I would put like a little bit more salt in it, but it's good for here. Mark liars, Mark unthankful, Mark unhappy. Well, might as well end on a positive on that point. So if you want to separate yourself from the crowd, tell the truth, be grateful, and be happy. If you want to separate yourself from the pack, tell the truth. You ever see me post on Instagram? There were 18 people in attendance tonight. One person came forward to receive Jesus. You know what that's called? Telling the truth. Instead of telling the cameraman, take a tight shot. Place was packed. Altars full. Tell the truth. Then if I tell you there was 9,600 people at the altar, you know I'm telling the truth. Some evangelists, I'm waiting for the next night. Their meeting isn't packed. Everything's packed. But if you look closely, it's not packed. You're lying. We reach 170 million homes with our broadcast. No, you don't. Your program's on potentially in that many homes. It is not being watched by that many people. You're lying. Tell the truth. 
Be thankful and be happy. You'll have no shortage of open doors. Mark liars, mark the unthankful, mark the unhappy. Don't mark them, mark them and remove them. Remove them from your presence. There'll be trouble before it's all said and done. Number 45. Can I have Romans eleven thirteen, please? A version. Your pick. Anything but the NIV or Passion or some other abomination of a translation. Romans 11, 13. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. Read the first part of that verse again, Romans eleven thirteen. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul said, I am an apostle to the Gentiles. Romans eleven thirteen. Number 45. Uncommon achievers know what they're called to do and what they're not called to do. Anytime Paul's had to reach the Jewish people, it was a, an abysmal failure. When, when Paul tried to reach the Gentiles and he got thrown in prison, God broke him out. When he tried to reach the Jewish people and he got arrested, he had to get a lawyer, appeal to his legal rights. There was no grace on it. Uncommon achievers know what they're not called to do. I'm not just an apostle, and I'm, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. And he loved the Jewish people, but it wasn't his assignment. Uncommon achievers know what they're not called to do. Chick-fil-A doesn't make pizza. McDonald's was losing money because they were trying to make everything. Chicken sandwich, burritos, salad, salads, barbecue. They ended up with 72 items on their menu. You think somebody making $9 an hour knows how to cook 72 different meals? The successful fast food chains have, I mean, you go to Cane's, you can only order chicken fingers. You can pick three, four, or six. Glory. They don't have chicken nuggets. They don't have grilled options. And I would love to know how many consultants have told Chick-fil-A, people like pizza. You know, you should think about doing like a chicken pizza. Pe I'd like to know how many people have tried to convince Chick-fil-A to make burgers. You know, maybe you could offer like one cheeseburger. Nope. <laughs> Uncommon achievers know what they're not called to do. I want you to write this down under that. Just because there's a need doesn't mean it's your assignment. And if you're in the ministry especially, there's a zillion things that will present themselves, and they're all good things, but they're not necessarily what you're called to do. Human traffic victims need rescued. But if it's not what you're called to do, you're going to waste a lot of time and money, and it's, it's going to be tough going. Bishop David Oyedepo said, if your church is not called to build a hospital, and you build one anyway, you may be the first one admitted there. Anytime you do what you're not called to do, you do it outside of God's grace and it'll wear you down. Just because there's a need doesn't mean it's your assignment.
People need Bibles in the Arctic. Human traffic victims need rescued. Japan has very few churches. We could run down a list of a hundred things that are pertinent to the gospel. But you need to know your assignment, and you need to know what's not your assignment. Number 45, uncommon achievers know what they're not called to do. Number 46. Number 46. Can you find the scripture for me? The liberal soul will be made fat. King James. Proverbs 11.25. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters, watereth shall be watered also himself. In the New Living Translation, it says, and he who refreshes others will be refreshed himself. The liberal soul shall be made fat. Number 46, successful people, uncommon achievers, are generous people. Generosity puts you in a financial flow that you have to work really hard for otherwise. So let me just give you two examples. We sent our tithe from our ministry, 65, thanks Steve, in Australia, glad to have you watching. We sent our tithe from, us, uh, from our ministry, $65,000, to Jesse Duplantis. Within 48 hours, we received a check for $225,000 and another check for $5,000 and another check for $50,000, just under $300,000. Seed produces harvest. Whatsoever measure a man uses in sowing, that'll be used by, to decide, for the Lord to decide what's measured back to him. Now, you would think in the natural that if you sow 65,000, I mean, who's ever heard of somebody sowing more than that? The person that gave 225 didn't know we had sent 65,000. <coughs> they had never given to our ministry before. So, obviously, that made for a larger tithe two weeks later, an offering. Our tithe was around $80,000. I rounded it up to 100, or I tithed the 80 and then put, put in a $20,000 seed. And I went to go see Brother Jesse Duplantis two days ago and brought him a check for 100000 The next morning, which means the check was already on the way, so it might even be a harvest from a past seed. There was a lady who had never given before that said, I'm sending my tithe $50,000 and a second check, an offering of $100,000. Who, who, who gives an offering double their tithe? That lady does. That's right. So we gave 100 and had 150 about 10 hours after we sowed it. Mm. So think of it. When the Lord put it on my heart to sow that 100, there was already 100 waiting for, 150 waiting for me in the mailbox. When God speaks to you, it's just tests to see what you're willing to walk away from. And anything you're willing to walk away from, God gives you back a hundredfold, according to Mark chapter 10. Uncommon achievers are generous people. This church that I'm sitting in is an ornate, well-constructed, beautiful building. The previous owners are very, very successful people, and anybody objectively would consider them uncommon achievers. 
and they gifted it to us. So if you think I threw this point in so that you'd give today, I'm telling you, uncommon achievers are generous people. The liberal soul shall be made fat. Solomon was a generous man. David was a generous man. Abraham was a generous man. Jesus gave and gave and gave till he gave his own blood. Uncommon achievers are generous people. Other preachers think our ministry has a lot of money because I'm good at taking offerings. But that 150 came in with no offerings taken. The 280 came in with no offerings taken. Your seed produces your harvest. The reason I have a lot of money come in is because we sow a lot. We gave the most money we ever gave away last year, $1.5 million, to other ministries and ministers. And we happen to get gifted a $5 million building that'll soon be worth eight. What you give comes back to you. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he who refreshes others shall himself be refreshed. And you're... Your gift doesn't come back to you. Write down these two points under that. Because if I'm not careful, if I start talking about giving, I'll talk about it for 40 minutes. Your gift doesn't come back to you the same. It comes back a hundredfold. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. If you sow 1.5 million, you don't get 1.5 million back. You get it multiplied. Number two, you need to understand this because this discourages a lot of people when they sow. You don't, you rarely will reap where you sow. I gave to Jesse Duplantis. I received no money from Jesse Duplantis. I gave to Rodney Howard Brown. The money didn't come. You're not giving like heathen people do. Jesus said when you give, don't give like the heathen give. They give to those who they know can pay them back. You're not given to open doors. That, that's bribes. You know, I invited Brother Jesse Duplantis to come preach at my church, and I told him, by the way, those were seeds, not bribes. I didn't give you that money. To then, then, and by the way, now that I've given you that money, come preach at my church. No. <laughs> they were seeds. He's welcome to never preach, and I'll sow again. Dr. Rodney's welcome to never do another thing for me in my life, and I, I'll sow again. I'm not sowing to... You rarely will reap where you've sown. He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay. Knowing this, Ephesians 6, 8, Whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he also receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Whatever good any man doeth, the same he'll receive from who? The Lord. So you give here, but you get from here. We've sown over thirty thousand dollars to that church, and they won't even put our daughter on the worship team. That's mm -hmm. not how it works, buddy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then you weren't even sowing. There's there's a lot of people that don't sow, and then of the people who sow, they don't understand the supernatural aspect to it, so their heart isn't right, and they don't receive any kind of reward off of it. There's very few, I'm an evangelist, you know, there's very few evangelists that would give to someone and then if they ha didn't invite them to preach within two years of when they gave them large offerings, 
You know, I've been sending money. That guy's never even invited me to preach. They try to reap where they sow, which is unscriptural. You make good things happen for others, and then the Lord makes better things happen for you. You make good things happen for others, and God makes better things happen for you. The people who gifted us this building were sharing with my wife and I what a phenomenal year they've had in their business. And they said we could only trace it back to giving this. It's an unbreakable law. It's an unbreakable law. friend of mine's watching that got arrested during COVID for keeping his church open. I didn't, say, I didn't tell his wife I'm going to pray for her. We sent her a lot of money. And then people give my family way more money. Well, let's tell the whole story. I sent the wife $5,000 because nobody knew how long he was going to be in prison. And that's what I would want somebody to do for my wife if that happened for me, what she's taken care of. We sent her 5000 Someone opened an account for my daughter where when she's 18, she'll receive $500,000. Well, I'm not the best at math, but that sounds like a hundredfold return. What you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. Amen. And many people lack because they've never given any kind of substantial offering, ever. I gave my first $1,000 when I had $1,100. I was 21. You don't wait till you have $10 million in the bank. To sow a thousand dollars. That's good. Wait till you have a thousand. Number forty-seven. And I'll use for this for whoever's editing the book, Second Chronicles two that I started with. All those pagan kings that Solomon worked with to help build the temple. Number forty-seven. Uncommon achievers can work with those they don't agree with 100%. Uncommon achievers can work with people they don't agree with 100%. Uncommon achievers can work with people they don't agree with 30%. Losers look for differences. Leaders look for commonality. There's a guy that I listen to on YouTube, I've played him on Check the News. He predicts how the Supreme Court's going to rule, and he's rarely wrong. He was anti-mask. He was anti-lockdown. He's an atheist. He's got 666 in his, in his screen name, in his YouTube name. Most people in my position that are preachers, Soon as they found out he was an atheist, especially once they found out he had 666 in his screen name, I'm not listening to him. I'm not listening to him for spiritual advice. I'm listening to his predictions on whether the OSHA vaccine mandate is going to get upheld or struck down. And he nailed it. Said it was going to get struck down 6-3 and it got struck down 6-3. I can, I can work with somebody that's a Buddhist, that's against government infringement, on free speech and religious freedom. Easier than I can, a, a, a Christian minister who's, who thinks the government should be allowed to shut down your church. I don't have to agree with you on everything. 
to work with you. I need to be able to agree with you as far as our task is concerned together. I'm going to get on an airplane in a few hours. I don't care what those pilots, if they voted for Joe Biden or not. I care if they can fly a plane. I don't care what their prayer life is. I don't care where they go to church. I don't care if they're baptized in the Holy Ghost. I don't care if they believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I care if they can land, they can take that plane off and land it in Iowa. Uncommon achievers can work with people they don't agree with 100%. That guy's a Democrat. Okay. He's just bagging my groceries. I can work with him. And many Christians, they live in a very small world. Because the only people they'll deal with are anti-mask, anti-vaccine, Holy Ghost-filled, pre-tribulation rapture. You're not going to talk to too many people. Learn to find common ground with people. Not selling out your values. But if you're going to impact the world, you're going to have to work with the world. A friend of mine that's a minister posted a picture of him and his daughters at Disney, the theme park. Sure enough, and you would know, I mean, this is no surprise. If I put a picture up on Instagram of me with Camila at Disney this week, it'd only be a matter of minutes before somebody posted underneath. Disney's run by pedophiles. And, and everything they'd say was true. But what about your iPhone or MacBook that you're using to write the comments? That's built by slave labor in China. By actual slaves. If you're only going to use companies I mean this is a Yeti don't put this in the book. I don't want to get sued. This is a Yeti um, what do they call it? Tumblr. Yeti su supported a pack that went against Trump if I remember right. If I had a Starbucks coffee here. Starbucks, that's actually a, like a demonic goddess on the cup and okay well if if you're gonna go like that on everything then you're just gonna have to leave the world or start your own little commune where you manufacture all your own products because if you trace everything back far enough you know it could be a good company but they got their funding from such and such a bank and that's run by so-and-so he was at bohemian grove okay yeah anybody besides me know people like that there's literally nothing you can use and nowhere you can go that they can't... That, you know, that guy that's on the board of directors there, he's Illuminati. All right, what do you want me to do? Marriott's run by Mormons. I'm going to stay at one tonight. I need a place to stay. I'm not accepting the Mormon faith to sleep in that bed. Uncommon achievers can work with people they don't see eye to eye with 100%. Number 48. This one we've already covered pretty much, so I won't take long. Uncommon achievers are not entitled people. The world owes me nothing. The world owes you nothing. 
Second Chronicles chapter 2. And then as far as not being entitled, who, what, what would be a good scripture for that? How about find me the verse where Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Because that's the opposite of entitlement. When, you're, when you don't feel entitled, you'll always be caught off guard when somebody does something nice for you because you're not expecting anything. You're always looking what you can do. Uncommon achievers are not entitled people. My parents have a very nice home. When they sell it or when they pass away, they're free to take the money and put it in a dumpster and burn it. They're free to donate it to uh, the world wildlife. What is it? What's the E? WWE, World Wildlife. Oh, that's right. It's WWF, the World Wildlife Federation. That's right. They're free to do with it whatever they want. You'd never hear it from me. You know, my parents had a nice house, and so they didn't give me any of the money. You got sisters sue their brother over their parents' house. I'd give it to my sister and pay the taxes for her. Nobody owes me anything. Nobody, nobody has to have me in, in to preach. You know, that guy's never... If you listen, uncommon... Well, what's the opposite of uncommon achievers? Losers. Losers are always talking about what somebody didn't do for them. No one has to do anything for you. You're responsible for your life. I am responsible for my life. I will give an account to the Lord for my life, and there won't be anybody to blame. Nobody owes me anything. Can you imagine if Joseph was entitled? He just sat in prison and stewed. You know what my brothers did to me? No, nah, just get moving. Verse? Matthew twenty twenty eight. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's a great verse. So follow Christ's example. I'm not here to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I'm here to pour my life out. Uncommon achievers are celebrated for pouring their life out. Nobody celebrates what people were given. People celebrate what people gave. So if your goal is to collect from people, you're not going to stand out in life. Number 48, uncommon achievers are not entitled. Number 49, could I have 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 13? Hezekiah received the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. So he Hezekiah takes the Babylonian envoy, which if you have a passing knowledge of the Bible, Babylon was not friendly 
to God's people. And Hezekiah has the grand idea to take all of the Babylonian envoy and show them all of the treasures that he has. The Bible says there wasn't anything that he didn't show them. Then what happened later? The scripture I had you look up? Um... I looked it up here. Hold on. It's Jeremiah 25. Okay, let me hear it. Oh, it's just, that, that's where they came and took it. Right, so like from that moment in Hezekiah's life where the prophet said that, it was about 110 years because he said his great-grandchildren, like he prophesied that. So it was about like 110 years from that moment. So Jeremiah chapter 25, the Babylonians regroup after the death of Hezekiah, which Hezekiah was an interesting man because the Lord told him that that was going to happen, but it wouldn't happen in his lifetime. And the Bible says that because he told him it wouldn't happen in his lifetime, he was cool with it. Right. So he had no thought of like... Tomorrow. Yeah, generations. Right. Like if the Lord told me, now after you're dead, this is going to happen to Camila. I'd be like, oh, as long as I'm... As long as things are cool while I'm here. I read um, a, a thing about what they thought was really like behind like the prophet invoking that curse. And it was because Hezekiah's heart wasn't right, that he cared about what the world thought about what he had. Well, I'm going to give you a different principle than what those scholars said. Number 49, uncommon achievers understand what you don't protect, you will lose. If you missed everything I said today, please write that down. That's good. What you don't protect, you will lose. I don't think it had anything to do with how his heart was. I'll tell you what it has to do with. If you take your enemy in and show him where all your money is in your house, you're going to get robbed. Do you know that's why I started, actually after I read that scripture, Adonis, that's why I started having um, DoorDash and Uber Eats leave the food at the door. Hmm. I don't need somebody with a heroin problem coming in my entryway and handing me my food and seeing stuff we have out. Or if, I left, if you left your watch on the table or seeing something, they, they like our TV. Definitely. I saw, he took them in the palace, showed all the, their wealth, and then they came back and stole it all. I'm not, let, I'm not giving people a peek in my house. Please get this. It may be the most important of all the points. Number 49. What you don't protect, you will lose. If you don't protect your marriage, you'll lose it. If you don't protect your child, you'll lose them. If you don't protect your business, you'll lose it. If you don't protect the money of your business, you'll lose it. I take it very seriously. I told Patrick at our old building, I said, you better make sure you have this place shored up. If somebody comes in, and I've spent all this money to build a studio and all that, and somebody comes in and ransacks the place, I don't want it on video. Hey, the place was uh, messed up pretty bad. We got it all on video. The cops think they might be able to make out who the person is, but they're not sure. I'm, I want there to be a heavy price paid. If somebody's able to breach the front door and make it in here, there should be a problem. And there would be. This place is locked down. The first thing we did when we got this building is that it is secure. If you come here on Sunday... This place is protected.
when I hear about, <coughs> I'm not trying to sound jerky. The first time there was a church shooting, I guess it's understandable. After 20 years of church shootings happening fairly frequently, if somebody gets shot in your church, it is the pastor's fault because your church should be an environment where it is impossible for somebody to come in and do harm to anybody in the congregation. Your children's ministry, it should be impossible for a child to be molested or abducted out of that children's ministry. Anywhere the devil attacks unprotected territory. Write that down. The devil attacks unprotected territory. The devil doesn't like to fight. He goes after soft targets. What you don't protect, you'll lose. How many churches did you see during the lockdown where the cops just came right in the church? Shouldn't be able to happen. I promise you there'd have been a lawyer at my door saying, if you don't have a warrant, you better back up or I'm going to sue every one of you officers personally. But if you have your church set up that way, they won't even try. You notice they never busted in Rodney Howard Brown's property during a church service, did they? Most churches are set up by a complete However bright the minister is that's in charge, when it comes to that area, he's a complete bozo. You could walk right in off the street into the sanctuary and start firing shots, and nobody would know. Nobody would know anything about it until you started shooting. There's nobody to go by in the lobby. See how I have guys, when I preach, that are on either side of me facing the crowd? Because if all your ushers have their backs to the door... That and someone runs in, someone that's standing still with their back to somebody, try it if you're playing cornerback in football. Line up with your back to the wide receiver, not knowing when the ball snapped, and they're going to blow by you. So even you go to these churches, all the, all the guys have earpieces, but they're all standing with their backs to the door, watching the service. If somebody ran in, they'd, they'd come right by. We have guys with eyes on the back of the building and guys at the back. And if somebody came in to do harm, the only person who would be harmed is them. That's called protecting your, the flock of God. If the Lord gives you a building, protect it. For, forget shootings. How about that church during the pandemic in, in, in the South, in the United States, that decided to stay open so the media made them a public target, and then the church was burned down. Gee, here's a thought. If your church is defying the lockdown orders, it's become a national story. You want to know why that church was burned down? I'll tell you what a Christian would say. That was the devil. No, it was the spirit of poverty that's on the leadership of that church to not pay a security team to be on the grounds of that church. Try burning Rodney Howard Brown's church down at night. There's people roaming the property with military attack dogs. You'll die. 
you'll never make it to the church building. And isn't it interesting? He has a big church. Because God's not going to turn his sheep over to delinquent shepherds who don't protect them. Protect your business. Protect your dream. Protect your wife. Protect your child. You don't live in the millennium where the lion's laying down with the lamb. You live in a, in a dangerous world. My concealed carry wife, you, might, you may have something to add to that. I don't. It's as clear. Number 49, what you don't protect, you'll lose. Not what you don't protect, you might lose. What you don't protect, you will lose. What you don't protect, you'll lose. Everything in this ministry is protected. Every way you can protect it. We have ours covered in prayer. Yeah, me too. Plus a lot of other things. Number 50. Uncommon achievers notice trends. They don't wait for crisis. Uncommon achievers pay close attention to trends. They don't wait for a crisis. I'm going to tell you what I mean. A church doesn't drop in attendance from 1,200 on Sunday to 40 overnight. So start paying attention. So what do you do? When it used to be 1,200 every Sunday, now it's mostly 900. Now it's mostly 810. Well, it's trending down. That's where you make the correction. Most people I've been around wait until there's no money in the bank and then say we've hit a crisis. You start addressing it. If I have two weeks in a row, if I had two weeks in a row where financially we're down 9%, 11% of what normally comes in, I don't care that I have plenty of money in reserve where I, it's not going to matter. It doesn't matter right then, but I don't like that, that we've had two weeks. What's the problem? I start reexamining. What are we doing? What have we been teaching? What have we been doing? Have we been doing anything different? What are people not responding to? Something needs fixed. Don't wait till you hit rock bottom to address problems. Notice a bad week. Mm. Notice a bad month. Notice bad attitudes. How do you mean? Notice, With people. Notice that your kids aren't raising their hands. This kind of just goes from finances to your home, everything. I'm glad you brought that up because... Dallas and I were talking about how many ministers we've been around who don't notice that their kids don't know the Lord. When you tell an entire room, let's all stand and lift our hands and worship the Lord, and your three children or two children or five children. One of them with a headset on. Other one on <laughs> their iPad. Listening and to I, music. And I'm not talking five-year-olds. I'm talking 14-year-olds, 
10-year-olds. Yeah. Address trends. I'm not going to wait till, till Camila's living with an unsaved boyfriend and say, huh, what went wrong? I would notice, because right now if I say everybody stand up and lift your hands, she's the first one up singing. So I would notice if one time I said everybody lift your hands and stand with you. After church, I'd say, hey, we need to talk. What's wrong? I noticed you didn't stand up for praise and worship. You stayed seated. No, it's not. No, something's wrong. It's not hard to read people. I was talking to one pastor. He said, everybody that left, they used to sit in the front. Then we noticed they start sitting two-thirds of the way to the back. Then, they're get, then they quit giving. Then they leave. Mm-hmm. Notice changes in people. That's right. That also coincides with protecting what you have. Because when you protect something, it's because you, you care about it. You care about where they're at, how they're doing. So you pick them up, you see your kids, you look at them in the eyes, you, you, you're protecting them. It goes far beyond just the safety of your children. Pay attention to trends. Hmm. If you had an 11% dip in revenue one month, but you have $4 million in the bank, so it's no big deal, treat it as a big deal. Yep. Why did this month not hit the mark? The only thing I've kind of eased up on a little is I used to have Patrick send me a midweek financial report and an end-of-the-week financial report. And I told him, just send me an end-of-the-week because several times this week or this year, the midweek was low and the end-of-the-week was through the roof. So I thought, I don't need to be, like, concerned for three days about nothing. But I pay attention every week. That's right. Number 50, uncommon achievers notice trends. They don't wait for a crisis. Number 51, and I'm going to do 52. I added one. Number 51... Let me just add a scripture to that sure. 50. John 16, 13 says, When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So noticing those trends Good is scripture. because of God's giving you insight on what's to come. And I didn't have a scripture, so you build me up. Thank you. Uh, 51. So we get down to the last two. Hey, Pastor Brian. Hey, uh, Amy just said, I apologize for my tardiness as I've loved this series of teaching. We forgive you. We're not here to judge. Um, number 51. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's in Proverbs. That's also going to get us the exact reference. It's either 13 or 18. I think it's 1320, somewhere between 20 and 22. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his 22. children's children. Proverbs 1322. The opposite of Hezekiah. Uncommon achievers think generationally. What are you laying up for your grandchildren? After I'm gone, I want there to be a Shuttlesworth Road that leads to a Shuttlesworth Estate 
where Camila's home and her children's homes are. Hezekiah, the Lord told him, all this bad stuff's going to happen. All your wealth's going to be carried away. And you know what he said? Oh, but it won't happen in my lifetime, though? No. Okay, no problem. No problem. So common losers think about right now. Mm. There's, there was an old saying that if you began to save $20 a month, or it might have been $20 a week, from the time you turned 18, you would retire a multimillionaire. If you put it, if you invested it. And somebody said, well, why? Why doesn't everybody do that then? And the answer is, because nobody wants to wait 42 years to spend their $20. So, uncommon achievers think generationally. They think about, Abraham left wells to Isaac. He left generational wealth to his son and his grandson. Uncommon achievers David left something to Solomon. He left a well-oiled machine that was running for him to step into. John Osteen did that for Joel Osteen. Uncommon achievers think generationally. Common people can't see past this month or this week. And the week I'm going to get paid, I'm going to the casino. Everything that comes in goes out right now. There's no plan for long term. Number 52. We'll finish here. Uncommon achievers. Mark, uh, read Mark 8. 30... 26. Who's it? And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? And that's Mark 8 what? 36. Number 52, and finally, uncommon achievers can gain the whole world without losing their soul. Extremely important. The higher God takes me, the harder I'm going to press into God. Uncommon achievers can gain the whole world without losing their soul. There was a song we sang growing up in Pentecostal church, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than riches untold. Well, I'd rather have, if I had to choose between riches and, and Christ, there's no question I'd pick Christ. But the Bible doesn't teach you that you have to choose. You don't have to choose between them. You have to choose their priority. And if you put God first, all the other things will be added unto you. Mm. Uncommon achievers can gain the whole world without losing their soul. I want you to add something to that. What, what would you say about that? Mark 8.35 says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. 
So that's the one that's just before the scripture that we read on a man gaining the whole world, um, but losing his soul in the process. So the, the secret element to not losing your soul in the process of gaining the world is by making sure that your priority is the kingdom of God. And so we see here, whoever wants to save his life has to lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. That's the element in not losing your soul is for, for you to come to a place where you're forsaking all for the gospel, where you're forsaking everything for God's sake, for the sake of the kingdom. And when you do that, it prevents you from all of the things that you just said, you know, having um, a mentality for the right now, doing things um, because you're self-entitled. When you put the kingdom of God first and your priority is God and his kingdom, then you'll never lose your life in the process. You'll never lose your soul in the process. An old Baptist preacher said, it's hard to fall away from something you're pushing. So you can't fall away. It's one thing to be a Christian. It's another thing. If you're pushing the gospel mm -hmm. and you're soul winning, it's hard to fall away from so something that you're pushing. It's just like a different, like I'm sure you can add to this too. Like in the beginning, things mattered. Materials mattered. Like right when you were like young, 21. And as, as the time as the years have gone by, we have more money in the bank account and now all those things are so insignificant to me. Whereas before I wanted the designer purse, I wanted the designer clothes, now I'm shopping at Walmart because I don't care. Like those things don't have a hold of me because that, that's not my priority. My priority is the kingdom of God, is making impact. And when you lose that sense of, you know, living where you're living for yourself and you're living for your greed and you're living for what people think about you. When you lose that, that's how you find life. That's how you gain, you know, purpose and, and God just begins to bless you. Don't you agree? I agree. So I just think that it's, 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 it's so, this scripture is so deep. It's, it just... I think too there's things you have to settle when... Um when you're not rich and when you're not successful or you're not an uncommon achiever yet, when you're just starting out is the time to settle what, what your principles are and what you're not going to violate. Right. You don't wait, don't wait till you, otherwise you're, you, you're not being driven by your spirit. You're being driven by the thing you built. I, I can't go to church on Sunday. You know, it, it would be impossible for me. You're finished. Right, right. And that old saying that, that, that backsliding is never a blowout. It's always a slow, steady leak. That's why you pay attention to things like missing church on Sunday. You know, Sunday's our travel day. And, well, you need to change your travel day. Church is a priority, you know. You need to have things in your life that are standards that you don't break. Mm. You know, there's things I don't do. There's places I won't go. There's courses of action I won't take because I have standards. 
And if, if you don't set those up front, it's very easy to start having the ends justify the means. You know, I had to miss a lot of Sundays, but we, in doing what we're doing, we were able to give our church over $10,000, you know. But your kids are going to go to hell. That's right. And you probably will too. Yeah. Because you have no, you're not grounded to, to the commands of the Bible. Mm. It's the little foxes. What does it profit if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? That's a serious thing to think about. Because a lot of people, America teaches you the opposite. It teaches you how to sell your soul out to get the whole world. But if you'll put God in his rightful place, I was thinking about that when we were with uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis, how the Lord had him walk away from an extremely successful rock and roll career. <coughs> he wasn't 14 and had started a rock band and wanted to be successful, and the Lord said, I want you to serve me instead. He was already successful yeah. and rich. And the Lord told him to walk away from all that and preach. But what he has now, I don't know any rock stars that have that. Maybe, maybe a few of them have as much. Mm. But, but they're not on their first marriage. And they don't have... But <laughs> they, even, if you're, even if you're looking at things, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone has more than him. Mm -mm. I don't know of any rock stars. I got a friend that's in the ministry that was flying overseas, and Rod Stewart was on his plane, commercial. Jesse Duplantis flies his own plane overseas. Mm -hmm. Falcon 900. Yep. So, you know, NFL players don't have their own planes. <coughs> nope. And get their cars repossessed when they retire. So, when the Lord has you put him first, it's not at the expense of taking the world, but it's so the world doesn't take you in the mm, process. That's good. If you would pray for everybody that God would keep a grace on them, that as they, as they pursue the dream God put in their heart, they'll always stay in dominion over, over their life and in the flesh and the things that are in the world. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person that's watching this broadcast. And I ask you, Father, that we would be able to guard our hearts against what this world has to offer. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would come alive on the inside of everyone watching, that whenever those temptations would come in to prioritize, prioritize things that are outside your word, word, things that are um, not you and your kingdom, Father, that our spirits would come alive and just get our attention in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, for a Holy Ghost kick in the head in the spirit, Father, when those things try to come and try to deter us and try to get our minds off of you and your kingdom. Father, your word says in Mark 35 that whoever wants to save his life has to lose it, but whoever loses his life for your sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. So Father, let that be our heart's cry today, that everything we do, we do it unto you and your kingdom, for you and your kingdom's sake, Father. And we know that's our safety net. Having you first, having you as a priority in our life is what keeps us in line with the, with the plan that you have for us. And we won't have to take a step to the left 
or a step to the right. But when we keep you first, you will add all these things unto us. Joy, peace, prosperity, homes, vehicles, the blessing. So we thank you, Father. We adhere to your word. We put it to practice. We won't just be hearers of it, but we'll be doers of it. Your word says also, Father, that those who love you obey your command. So, Father, as we have heard your uh, word, we hearken our, our, our ears to it and our, on our lives to it, and we choose to walk in obedience to you, Father, in everything we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you the opportunity to do two things. Number one is to come see me tonight in Iowa. Orange City, Iowa, tonight at 7 o'clock, Saturday at 10 in the morning, and then Saturday again at 7 p.m. That's tonight and tomorrow, and then at the end of the weekend, Sunday at 10 a.m., back here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Revival Today Church, 107 Patton Drive, Coriopolis, Pennsylvania, right by the Pittsburgh airport. Please, uh, please come see me. I'd love to be able to minister to you live. And then I'm going to give you the opportunity to sow seed. And those stories I told you earlier in the broadcast, I hope they, they uh, prick your spirit a little bit. When God speaks to you about a seed, he always has a harvest in mind. God didn't speak to me about sowing $65,000 to tax me 65,000, it came back multiplied. The hundred has come back multiplied. Think of this too. If you invested $100,000, right, and you were able to turn it into 150,000, especially in this market under this president, you'd be bragging to everybody. I've made 50% this year. I didn't make 50% in a year. I made 50% in 12 hours investing in the work of the Lord. I actually was given serious thought the other day. I have six figures in an investment account, and I'm very, personally, and I'm, I'm very close to emptying it out. I've lost money on some stocks. I've gained some money on, but you know, stock market, this stock market right now, they tell you, try to hit singles, not home runs. In other words, it's such a volatile and negative market right now. Take, you know, if you're up 8%, cash out. If, if you're up 12%, cash out. Don't push it. I don't ever make 8% or 12% given to the work of the Lord. I put 65,000 and got 288 back in 48 hours. I put 100 in and got 150 back in the morning. Give and it'll come back to you. Press down, shaken together and running over. I'll cause men to give liberally into your bosom. The measure you use in sowing will be the measure God uses to refund back to you. I want to challenge you to sow a large seed. Large is different to different people based on where they're at. And you don't hear me say this much, but I, I do feel there are a lot of people that they believe in the blessing, they believe in the prosperity message. They, they've never sown something that's substantial. 
Many have, but many have not. And if you've not, I want to challenge you to do something that's substantial today. You've heard me say before, I'm believing for 10 people to sow $100,000. I think we're at, what, 400 of that's come in, of the million that I'm believing for. Dallas and I did it. I had the Lord speak to me in my spirit, don't challenge people to give what you've never given. I have given 100,000 several times. Sent 100,000 to Pastor Rodney from our ministry last year. 100,000 personally to Pastor Rodney. Sent another 100,000 when he announced that new building. And sent another 100,000 to Brother Jesse Duplantis uh, this year. So there's four in 12 months, $100,000 seeds that we've sown. One personally, three from our ministry. So I've done it. I'm challenging those of you that God's blessed at that level to give a seed or sow a seed at that level. And believe for, look what happened. This building I'm in came from that. What, what would take you 20 years of good investing in the stock market, God will do for you in a, in a small fraction of the time. It's a fact. As a thank you, I'm going to send you the two books from Dr. Mike Murdoch and the Bible prayer study course, because I know a lot of people enjoyed All Night Prayer by Kenneth Hagin. All three books for your seed of any size. So here's the Bible prayer study course, and they have the graphics on the other two. Sol on uh, Solomon, Secrets of the Richest Man Who Ever Lived, and the Leadership Principle, the Leadership Secrets of Jesus. So if you enjoyed this teaching, you'll enjoy these books. And then the prayer one's a great help. Here's the ways you can give. Right at the top, revivaltoday.com, click give now. That's the easiest. That has every way to give right there. Hashtag donate on Facebook. You can text RT to 50155. Cash app dollar sign RT give. Venmo at RT give. PayPal, RevivalToday.com slash PayPal. Cryptocurrency, you can scan that QR code. Thanks, Lyric. If you want to mail it, Revival Today PO Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329, which a lot of times if you... If you're going to sow a large seed, they have so many restrictions on banks. I mean, you can't do it on Cash App. You can't do it on Venmo. You can't do it on hashtag donate. So a lot of times you have to mail it. Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Or, especially for large gifts, over the phone, 412-446-2332. Or plus one, 412-446-2332. Um, after you've given, make sure to go to RevivalToday.com and click Claim My Offer. That makes sure that we have your name and address to send you the books. I'll see you for prayer in a handful of minutes. I'll see you in Iowa tonight, and tomorrow I'll see you in Pittsburgh on Sunday. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. 
If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.